I invite you to be finding 1 John chapter 1 in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 1. We've been looking at this little letter of 1 John the last few weeks, and we'll continue doing that today. And the other night, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I said to myself, you know, I don't need the flashlight. Uh, and then on the way to uh, the restroom, I proceeded to stumble over a house shoe. And then while I was stumbling over the house shoe, catching my balance, I stumped my baby toe on the bedpost. And... Then when I was hopping around on my foot, I hit my shoulder on the corner of the dresser drawers, and I said to myself, I need to quit walking around in the dark. But did you know that we need to do the same thing spiritually? A lot of us as Christians, we try to stumble around in the dark, and, and we need to get over and stay in the light. Just as I need to avoid darkness when I walk around the house, I also need to avoid the darkness as I walk my spiritual walk as well. And today we're going to take a look at 1 John 1 verse 5 and we're going to read down to chapter 2 verse 2. That's one paragraph. 1 John 1 5 to 2 2 make up a paragraph. I'm not sure we will get all the way to the first two verses of chapter 2. That may wait till next week but we're going to start at verse 5 of 1 John 1. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. We see as we break down this paragraph, and that's what we're going to do this morning, we're going to break down this paragraph and then try to make some applications as we look at the idea of quit walking around in the dark because I'm afraid that's what so many of us as Christians do if we're not careful. In verse 5, the first phrase of verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you. John is writing this book and John said, this is the message that we, the apostles, we have heard from him. That's Jesus. Well, what was it? What's that message that John and the rest of the apostles heard? 
And not only did they hear it, John says, now I'm declaring it to you that God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. The first major theme of 1 John is God is light. And this is going to be the basis for nearly everything else that we say about 1 John. When we look at the Old Testament, light is the very first manifestation of God's creation. Remember when God said, let there be light? That's the very first thing that God put in order when he was putting and creating the universe and, and putting in order. And when we look through the Old Testament, both light and fire are important symbols in the Old Testament that symbolize and signify the presence of God. Uh, Marie and I read last night when, they, when Solomon uh, and the Israelites dedicated the temple, it said that fire came down from heaven and consumed the altar, or the offerings rather, and, and it, the glory of God filled the temple, the smoke did. The priests couldn't even come in. God was represented by fire. And just to show you how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament, when Moses and the Israelites built the tabernacle, when Moses dedicated the tabernacle, fire came down and smoke filled the tabernacle. When Solomon dedicated the temple, when God's presence was known and when God's presence came into the temple, fire came down and the smoke filled the temple. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, when the disciples were in that upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit, what came down from heaven? A rushing mighty wind and then symbols like fire was above them. Fire is the presence of God. God says, or John says here, God is light. In the New Testament, the word light is used 72 times. And over half of those times are in John's writings, in the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation. Light and life are often linked together. A lot of times when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he would write on to say, I'm the life of the world. Light and life are connected. And isn't that true? If you don't have light, it's hard to live. And I know there are creatures that live in caves where they, they don't get much light, and, and I'm aware of that. But light and life go together. God here says God is light. God is the Father. And when we say that God is light, what we mean by that is the moral sphere of God. When we talk about walking in the light, we're talking about walking where God is. We're talking about God being sinless. Purity is also seen with the idea of light. And can I say this, that the source of all light that we see spiritually and physically comes from the Father. It comes from God. And can I tell you that if you have water, if the source of the water is pure, then the water remains pure unless something contaminates it, right? If you've got a well that is sending out pure water, 
That water is going to remain pure unless something happens to contaminate the water. Well, the same is true with the light that God sends out. Jesus says, we're the light of the world. And then he says, we are to let our what shine? Our light, right? Well, God is light, and him is no darkness at all. And if the source of the light is pure, then guess what? As that light flows through us as Christians, it ought to be pure as well, right? In God is light, in him is no darkness at all. And notice that it doesn't say God is like light, or that God shows light, or that God manifests light. It says that God is light. Light is a characteristic of God, and what it means when, when John uses it here, when he says God is light, he's saying God is perfect. God is sinless. God is holy. In him there is light, and not only is there light, in him there is no what? Darkness at all. That phrase at all is critical. There's not a little bit of sin in God. There's not a little bit of inkling of even an evil, sinful thought. And God is total light, total holiness. God is so much light that in the new heavens and the new earth, we're not going to need the sun and the moon because God's light is going to be enough to illuminate the new heavens and the new earth. Isn't that cool? God is light. In him is no darkness at all. In him is no darkness. That's the standard of God's perfection. Y'all, if we want to be with God, we have to be perfect. If we're going to be in fellowship with God, we're called to be perfect. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. I'm trying to set the stage here of what God wants his people to be like. God says, you be holy because I'm holy. God doesn't say, I'm holy and you be as holy as you can. God says, you be holy like I'm holy. God says, you be like me. You be sinless like me. Don't go walking around in the dark. Stay in the light. Stay where, stay where God is. Don't go into darkness. Darkness is moral depravity. Darkness is anything short of God's standard of perfection. Anything. God is light and him is no darkness at all. There is no sin in God. And any sin, great or small, and I'm not sure what curve we grade on when it comes to sin when we talk about big sins or little sins usually whoever's doing the grading if I'm doing the grading my sins aren't as big as your sins right but what John tells us is there's no darkness at all that's God's standard that's God's we're called to be holy in him God there's no darkness at all. You can't find darkness in light. 
The word darkness is used 17 times in the New Testament. 14 are in John's writing. And every time darkness is used, it's associated with sin, Satan, the flesh, and immorality. John is setting out a contrast here between light and darkness. And he does it right out of the box. Just first of all, he said, first of all, here's the message that Jesus gave us. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Before we can know what we, how we're supposed to live, we have to know how God is, right? Because the word Jesus is God, the word Christian means Christ-like. If we're going to be Christ-like, if we're going to be God-like, we need to know what God's like, right? So God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And then starting in verse 6, John gives us six conditional clauses. And what I mean by that, a clause is a phrase or a group of words that form a thought. And there are six conditional clauses. They're if and then. And what I mean by that is if we do something or say something, then there are certain consequences. And we have six of those that are laid out here. John contrasts light and darkness. In these clauses, he contrasts righteousness and sin. And he contrasts hope with hopelessness. So he starts off here in verse 6 and says, If we, and by the way, when the word we is seen in John's writings, it refers to Christians. The whole book of 1 John is writing to Christians. John is not writing to a lost world. Now when John wrote the Gospel of John, John wrote that so we could see Jesus was God's Son that we might believe. John now in 1 John, he is correcting some errors that have crept into the churches in Asia Minor toward the end of the first century. So John says, we, if we Christians say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, that's action. Oh yes, I have fellowship with God. That word fellowship means to share together. What that means is we're saying, yes, God and I are on the same page. God and me, we're just like that. We're like peas and carrots. That's me, that's God. We're, I'm in fellowship with God. If we say that, but if we walk in darkness, John is very blunt here, isn't he? He says, we lie. That's the first consequence. And then secondly, we do not the truth. We don't practice the truth. John, John pulls no punches when he writes this letter. I told you in our, in our introduction to 1 John a couple of weeks ago, John's a little feisty when he writes this. He, uh, he, he's, very, he's very black and white. There's very little gray in the writings of John. John says, first of all, if we say we have fellowship with God, if you say you're tight with God, if you say you belong to God and, and you're walking with him, but you walk in darkness, you're lying. Who are you lying to? 
Number one, you're lying to yourself. And number two, you're lying to others. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? But then he contrasts in verse 7. First the negative, now the positive. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's our second clause. If we walk in darkness, if we say we have fellowship with God, and we walk in darkness, we're liars and we don't practice the truth. On the other hand, if we walk in the light, as he, God, is in the light, that's our action, then the consequences are we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Verses 6 and 7, y'all, are a contrast of two lifestyles. Verse 6 describes a contradictory lifestyle that results, first of all, in breaking fellowship with God, and second, a lifestyle of hopelessness and despair. I'm going to park the car here just for a second and get out and make this statement. If we claim to be Christians and we're living a life filled with sin, and I'm not talking about the occasional sin where we slip and we, we, we realize we've, we've sinned. We'll, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. John is talking about people that are living a lifestyle Walking in darkness. We say we're a Christian, but we're not living like a Christian. And that's every one of us. We know I, you can fool all of us. You can't fool God. And you can't fool yourself. So God knows where you are. And can I tell you that if you are walking in darkness, but say you're a Christian, Listen to me now. You're going to be miserable as long as you're in the darkness. Because God, in Him, remember what we said about darkness in God? In Him is no darkness at all. If the source of the light is pure, the light that illuminates from that is going to be pure, unless it's contaminated. Well, who contaminated it? We did. What do we contaminate it with? Sin. Y'all, if you're in the darkness and you claim to be a Christian, now if you don't claim to be a Christian, this, this has nothing to do with your lifestyle. I wish you'd come to Christ. That's where you need to be in order to be saved. But if you're not a Christian, John's not talking about non-Christians. He's talking about folks that claim to be Christians, yet they live a lifestyle that's ungodly. And we see it every day. You don't believe it? Get on social media. Get on Facebook and see some posts by people who claim to be Christians. They'll have one post that'll be full of cussing and swearing and ugly things. And then the next time they post, it'll be, oh, how I love Jesus. Y'all, we need to decide whose side we're on, right? If you... Say you have fellowship with God. I came to church and I gave my tithing check and I shook hands with the preacher and I heard a sermon and I hugged everybody and I ate at the fellowship meal. And But if you're living 
in darkness. You're lying, and the first person you're lying to is yourself. You need to do a spiritual inventory and say, Lord, do like David. Do you have enough courage to say, Lord, search my heart. Reveal any wicked ways. Because let me tell you what, as human beings, we can sell, we're, we're our own best salesmen. We can talk ourselves into the fact we are great. We're everything. We're good. Ask God, God, how am I doing? God, search in my heart. Reveal to me what there is to reveal. On the other hand, oh, and by the way, if we say we are in fellowship with God and we're walking in darkness, not only is our fellowship with God broken, but our fellowship with each other is broken. We can't have Christian fellowship with each other if our relationship with God's where it needs to be. We'll talk more about that as this little letter goes along. But in the second clause, on the other hand, if we walk in the light as God's in the light, it says we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. A little later, it's going to tell us how that works. But if we're walking with God, when we do stumble into the darkness and we get ourselves up and we confess, we'll see later, then the blood of Christ cleanses us. And we'll, we'll talk about how that works here in just a little bit. So verse 6 describes a contradictory lifestyle of a Christian who says he's a Christian, but he's living like the world. Well, he's breaking his fellowship with God. He has a lifestyle of hopelessness and despair. On the other hand, verse 7 describes the life lived uh, by Jesus, which results in fellowship with God and each other, and it gives us a life full of satisfaction and hope. Now, does that mean if I'm walking in the light, I'm never going to have troubles? Does that mean if I'm walking in the light, I'm never going to get sick? If I'm walking in the light, never going to get crossways with anybody else. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean when we do get sick and we do get crossways and when things are difficult, we've got someone to hold on to, and that's Jesus Christ. He'll help us get through those hard times. Y'all, if, you, if you've broken fellowship with God, what have you got during your hard times? Nothing, right? Without fellowship with God, our life's going to be difficult here on this earth. And the way we have fellowship with God is to walk into light. And can I tell you, that's a choice. Walking in the light is a choice, and I don't always get it right, but what I've come to understand is i got to be on my guard every day. Every decision I make, every decision you make, we've got to decide, is, is this walking in the light or is this walking in darkness? 
And if it even looks a little bit dim, we need to stay away from it. Amen? And fortunately, we're not left alone to try to make that decision. We have the Holy Spirit living in us to try to help us. If we start walking in the darkness, if we are in tune with the Spirit, you know how you're in your car when you leave your lights on and you get out and you open the door and your lights are still on and it goes ding, 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 ding. That's your warning to, hey, silly, turn the lights off or your battery's going to die. Or get your keys out because you're fixing to leave your keys in the car. Well, if you're walking in the light and walking with the Spirit, when you get ready to wander off into darkness, that little Holy Spirit's going to go ding, 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 ding. And that should be a signal for us to say, wait a minute. I want to walk in dark in light. I want to stay out of the darkness. I don't want to be like the person that says I have fellowship with God. I want to have fellowship with God. And I want to have fellowship with all of y'all. And I want y'all to have fellowship with me. So let's walk in the light as he's in the light. Let's stay, let's quit walking around in the dark. Just like I need a flashlight when I get up at night. We need to stay in the light while we're walking in the day. Amen? That's what John's trying to tell us here. Well, what are some consequences for walking in the light? One way to find out whether or not you're walking in the light is how well you get along with your fellow Christians. You ever thought about that? If you get all crossways with somebody at church, the place to start getting that right is to go into God. And praying to God and, and making sure your relationship with God is all right. Because a local church is only as strong and as unified as her members are. And if I'm walking in darkness, if I'm living in the flesh, that's going to do some things to my thought process. If I'm walking in darkness and walking in the flesh, I'm going to think in darkness and think in the flesh. And I'm going to start guessing people's motives. And I'm going to start saying, well, they're not as spiritual as they ought to be. They're not as spiritual as I am. You know, there are Christians that are, that are like that. They, they look at other folks and they, they say, well, he's got blonde hair and I've got brunette hair so Jesus had brunette hair so I'm more like Jesus than he is so therefore I'm more like Jesus because y'all that's fleshly thinking I come to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night so I'm more spiritual than everybody else is you say well isn't it good to come to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night absolutely it'd be great to see everybody on Sunday night and Wednesday night but can I tell you that going to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night doesn't make you more spiritual? Now what it will do is it will help keep you plugged into the Spirit a little bit better. Uh, if you are married, you probably ought to go home to your spouse as often as you can. Somebody asked me, they said, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I don't have to go to church. 
I said, well, I said, if you're married, you don't have to go home. But if you stay away from home long enough, you won't be married. The point I'm trying to make is when you start drifting into darkness and start getting out of the light, you start thinking different. And you start you start making things important that really aren't important. If you're walking in the light and if you're walking in the spirit, for example, if I'm walking in darkness and and my thoughts are not where they need to be because I'm being influenced by the dark one. Now Satan and his demons can't possess a Christian because he's got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and devil can't be in two, the same place and inhabit the same body. But the, Satan can't influence us. And if I'm already over here in darkness and I am claim to be a Christian and my thought process is wrong, if... Uh, Mike says something to me and I am already thinking wrong and I take it the wrong way. Mike says, uh, Brother Andy, your socks don't match today. If I'm walking in the light, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to put my arm around Mike, I'm going to say, you know what? You're exactly right. I'm getting old, and I know I got on blue today. I have these socks that are black. They look blue when I put them on. Can you all relate to that, by the way? <laughs> but you know what? If I'm walking in darkness, and I'm not thinking like I should, and Mike makes a crack about my socks, I'm liable to say, what are you doing paying attention to my socks anyway? You don't come to church to look at my socks. What kind of Christian are you? I'd rather come to church with mismatched socks than I would to be picking on people's socks. Now, I'm trying to make you laugh a little bit, but there are churches that split over stupid things like carpet color and which songbook we're going to sing out of and what color you paint the walls. Y'all, people that, th there's a word that describes churches that split over that, and that's called carnal, fleshly. And the reason that happens is because the individual Christians in that church, they're not walking in the light the way they should. Because if we're walking in the light and the Holy Spirit is influencing us, We're not going to get crossways over silly stuff. And if we find that, we are, we're going to recognize it for what it is and say, Lord, help us. And uh, I'm going to come back to Mike when I realize I have busted him for not being as spiritual as he ought to be because he paid too much attention for my mismatched socks. After the Lord and I have had a chat and I'm back in the light, See, I was over in North Carolina, but now I'm back in Tennessee. When I get back in the light, I'm going to put my arm around him. I'm going to say, Mike, I'm sorry I said that. Please forgive me. And you know what? If I'm walking in the light and, 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 and Mike is walking in the light, 
He's going to say, I forgive you, brother. Let's keep on going. And that's the way it's supposed to work. We're going to have conflict sometimes. We're people. But if we're all walking in the light, and we're asking the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us, then we're going to come out where we need to come out. See how these if-then clauses work? If we do this, then here is the outcome. If we do that, then here is the outcome. And you say, well, I can't live without sin. I, I, am, I sin sometimes. Sometimes I get in the darkness and I don't mean to. What in the world do I do then? Come back next week, you'll find out. Because I, I want to talk a little bit about it. It fits in really well with the first two verses of chapter 2. What do we do? Because it, it, what we've done is create a paradox. That don't mean two doxes. A paradox is uh, something that sounds one way, but seems like it ought to be the other way. Uh, that, that's what a paradox is. That's what we've created. What I mean by that is, is we are told to walk in the light, let no darkness be in you, but yet as a human being with a sin nature, I'm going to sin. I can't stay in the light all the time. So what do I do? And can I tell you this? Come back next week. We'll talk about this more. Can I tell you this? The What you do when you realize you're in darkness will determine whether you walk in the light or whether you walk in darkness. Because you got two choices. You need to stay in darkness or you can come back to the light. We'll fill that in. We'll fill in the blanks with that next week. I hope I've got you good and wonderful. What, how, what are we going to do? How's that going? We're going to talk about the blood of Jesus next week. Because did you know the blood of Jesus is not just something that you need when you get saved. You need the blood of Jesus every day of your life. Because not only did the blood of Jesus forgive and cleanse you of your past sins, it continues to cleanse and forgive as you go along every day. And we're going to learn that next week.